Hey everyone, welcome back to season three of the Scrubbed In Show. Before we kick it all off, just want to shout out our new platform, Peer. Peer is a platform that allows us to share our knowledge through quizzes, to learn, to grow an audience, and to earn a passive income. Whether it's medicine, healthcare, or something outside of it all, whether it be design, coding, or finance, everyone is a learner and educator. Check it out at www.peer.io to get involved in the future of social learning. Let's kick off season three now. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In Podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well. This week we have another amazing guest and a fellow King's College London medical student. We have with us today Kenji, who is obviously a final year medical student at King's. What's interesting in He was born in Kenya, spent time living in both Japan and Zimbabwe before moving to the UK where he first studied biomedical sciences before pursuing medicine. What I love about Kenji is the fact that he's openly sharing his experiences with fellow medics, aspiring medical students and impressively has a master following of more than 50,000 people with more than 2 million views across his platforms. It is a massive pleasure to have you on the show, bro. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much, boys. I think the pleasure is mine. The pleasure is mine. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Spot. Even more better having to finally record this. You guys are super busy. You med influencers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've talked a bit about what you've achieved so far. And as mm. is the traditional standard, let's take it all the way back to a young Kenji. Um, let's do it. I think what would be interesting is having lived in Japan, having lived in Zimbabwe, Tell us that experience of transitioning into the UK. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it was a bit of a funny one. So yes, I was actually born and bred in Kenya. So East Africa, I don't don't know if you guys know what Kenya is, but East Africa. Um, I lived there until I was about 14. And then when I was 14, I I moved to the UK. Um, Yeah, a bit of a weird transition, man. Things were very, very different in the UK. So you can imagine like a young, uh, you know, the young Kenji, 14 years old, coming to the UK. Um, and just trying to trying to catch on to like my studies, obviously, because I joined in like I think it was mid GCSEs, so I missed like a, a big bunch of GCSEs, which which you know kind of led me down a different path. Um, but also just trying to like get with the English banter. I think you know what you realize is that in Kenya, if you watch like the Inbetweeners, you come to the UK, you realize like it's so different. <laughs> like the Inbetweeners is like one aspect of it, and then you come to like London, and you're like within London, there's like thirty different types of like British humor, British culture. Um, so that was it was a weird transition, but I think I quickly settled down. I think I was lucky enough to find a really good bunch of people um, in Harrow, where I ended up uh, being in Northwest London. Um, so yeah, I met the uh, most amazing people, and I think they really helped me settle down because I was here for like year six and year seven, year five, year six and year seven. But when I came back for year ten, I think people are a lot more accepting when you're a bit older, and they can understand that people are different. And also being in London, I think it was, you know, it's really multicultural. So coming back to uh, to the UK in year 10 was actually not not too hard of a, of a transition, I think. No, definitely. Amazing. At what point, having come to the UK, lived in London, did you start to think about medicine or were you more geared up to do a science-based degree like biomedical science? Tell us about that part of your journey. Okay. So interestingly, like what I've always been interested in was um, science. So mm. I don't know if you guys have seen the show Dex's Laboratory. Yeah. Mm. But that was like the best, like it was on Cartoon Network in Kenya. And it was like the best show that I absolutely loved. Um, and that really was my huge inspiration. So ever since I was like five or six years old, like for Christmas, I always asked for like a microscope or for like something, you know, scientific. 
Um, and my mum would come in my room at like midnight and like expect me expect to see me asleep. But I literally <laughs> have like my lab like set up in the corner, like doing oh, all wow. these like you know crazy experiments. Um, so for my whole entire life, like you know, science is always what I wanted to do, and I always wanted to be a scientist. Mm. Um, but then when I came to the UK. When I was around, um, you know, 14, 15, my mom told me that actually, you know, why don't you go into medicine? Like medicine is also like a really good field. Mm. I never really thought about being a doctor, to be honest. Mm. But then my mom realized that you can actually be a doctor and also be a scientist at the same time, which is what I ended up doing now as well. Um, you know, being into a bit of research yeah. as well. Um, and yeah, so, so she kind of put that thought in my mind. And then as I started um, doing some research on it, I found out that actually, you know, being a doctor is is really, really good because you not only get to help people, um, you know, today immediately, you know, with your patients that you see every day, but also if you're a scientist and you do research on the side, you can actually help people in the long term. And for me, it was really that kind of long term difference that I really wanted to make. And I realized actually, why not, like, why not do both? Like, why, why stop at being a scientist? Why not actually, um, you know, contribute to the world today and also contribute to the world tomorrow by doing a bit of, uh, doing a bit of both. And that's what I ended up doing. Um, so, you know, I think, I studied biomedical science for a different reason, which you might go into. Yep. Mm. But once I studied biomed, it gave me like a good um, background in research and um, and being able to do research. So when I started um, medicine, I continued with that research. Um, I do research now in urology and dermatology as well. Mm. I've done research in cancer as well, mm. um, and that led me to kind of have a good uh, good good set of skills I can use to do primary research. Um, you know, in England, I've done it in Taiwan, I've, mm. I've flown to Greece as well, doing a lot of, you know, big projects, which I think, um, you know, were supported by my background in biomedical science. Oh. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's kind of how it transitioned, starting off in Kenya with the, you know, yeah. the being a bit nerdy, liking, <laughs> you know, biomedical science, and then moving on to uh, to figure out medicine through my mom's kind of, um, you know, idea. Mm. And then it kind of just... Uh, grew from there really what what challenges did you face transitioning between biomedical sciences to medicine okay so i think actually surprisingly the challenge there wasn't that many challenges i think um having done biomed having done three years of a whole entire degree mm. i think by that time i already knew how to study i knew what works for me mm. i knew what doesn't work for me so in terms of the actual you know uh, theory side in terms of learning preparing for exams I don't think that was particularly different uh, difficult because i had such a strong background in, in university mm. I think what what was different was the like more clinical aspects of things. Mm. So in biomed, um, a lot of the time I would study for an exam, I would uh, sit the exam, I'd, I'd, I'd completely forget everything. But like in medicine, that doesn't happen, right? Like you need to remember yeah. all of your theory all the time. Yeah. You know, so whether you're in final year or you're in third year, you still need to know the same stuff. Mm. So that was one thing. And also, like I said, the clinical aspect of things, obviously seeing patients, talking to patients, that's something that I've never done before. Mm. So that was a bit uh, different, not not necessarily difficult, but just very different. But I think the main difficulty for, difficulty for me was, again, holding things in my long-term memory for such a long time. As I said, because in biomed, it would literally be a case of study, pass the exam, move on to the next module, and that will be a different module with a different set of like theory that you need to understand. Yeah. Whereas medicine, I had to develop a bit of a, a system to constantly allow me to to remember these things. And that's when I kind of discovered things like Anki flashcards. Mm -hmm. And I do flashcards every single day throughout med school, up until now, even my final year. And I think it was it was just switching and making that transition to short-term memory to like long-term memory that you have to know for mm -hmm. like five years plus eventually, even when you become a doctor. Yeah. So those were kind of the main, I'd say two difficulties. Um, and differences but overall i think it was, it was actually pretty pretty smooth uh to transition amazing definitely i just want to pick up on uh, something you said and i'd love to just break into that a little bit and you said yeah. i i learned about how i learn um yeah. a lot of people i think 
um, a crucial step for anyone in the education system at any level is that they need to yeah. understand how they learn. Tell us a Absolutely. little bit about discovery of how you learn best um, okay. and what different modalities mean for you. So how do flash flashcards work for you and how does reading a textbook work for you or digital learning? T- take us through that. Okay. Yeah, so I think I think everyone is so different. And I think the problem with um, education um, is that we're not taught how to learn, right? We're told mm. we go to school and we're told here's the content, learn it and sit the exam and good luck on the way. <laughs> and a lot of the times, I don't know about you guys, but in my school, we're taught to like um, to copy, yeah, like yeah. make notes and just copy the textbook and somehow you learn the process. So I remember when I was in Kenya, in like primary school in particular, we our teacher would like, we had like a blackboard with chalk and the teacher would take the chalk and would write out the textbook on the board for us to then copy into our <laughs> own books and somehow that's supposed to be learning right so i think we were it started like a long ago where we were taught completely the wrong way to learn mm. and i think that carried on as well when i started secondary school in the uk um so to make sure like we excel at university i think it's so important to find a system that works for you and we're all so different you know some people are you know very visual when they learn some people like uh, learning through listening or through watching some people learn through teaching some people th- you know learn through writing notes like like we were taught as well and i think um that's a difficulty when you come to university you're kind of not spoon-fed anymore mm. and you realize crap i don't know how to learn and i have been taught the wrong thing this whole entire time <laughs> yeah um so that's a difficulty and i think um it's super important to try out different things so when I first started, you know, the first few months, I'd, 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 I'd try the standard way of learning, which I was taught in high school. And I realized soon when I started doing like crap in my exams that that's not the way to learn. Yeah. Then I'd switch it up and I'd be like, okay, actually, you know, what, that didn't work for me. Let's try teaching. You know, let me try teach um, some of my friends and see if that works. Uh, that didn't work. So I moved on to, um, you know, flashcards. And finally, I found a method that works for me. And, you know, the, the method that works for me doesn't necessarily work for everyone. Mm. Um, but the way I realized I ended up, like, the, well, the best way I think that I work personally is, so one is flashcards and two is understanding through writing notes. Mm. And it was actually a combination of these two kind of systems that allowed me to, to learn what I need to know for med school exams and for biomed as well. So the second question was, you know, how do I, how do I actually work with these two things? So. The first way for me, I think the most important way when you start to learn any new concept whatsoever is really to understand first. And what I realized is that once you have the understanding, the memory part is a lot easier to manage. Mm. Whereas when I was in biomed early on, I thought you can just jump straight to memorizing and I kind of skipped the, the understanding. And that also kind of caused me to, to stress in my A-levels because I realized that doesn't work for me. Mm. So starting off, the first thing I always do is to get like a normal pen and paper or a whiteboard sometimes. And I'll go through the lectures or my classes, you know, step by step. And I'll break it down and I'll write notes, not copying like how I used to, but actually notes in my own words um, so that my future self can actually understand very quickly when it comes to actually revising for the exams. Mm. What I'll do is, you know, I'll use spider, spider diagrams. I would uh, draw, I'd color, I would copy and paste things from the internet. And I'll just make these, you know, a good set of notes that allows me to understand the future. And that was kind of the first, the first part. The second part I realized um, to allow me to retain all of these these kind of bits of information uh, throughout my time at medical school, I realized that I need to constantly be reviewing these notes. Mm. Um, so I started off first by just rereading my notes and I realized soon, you know, very, very shortly after that, reading is actually a very passive, mm. useless way of learning. Yeah. And highlighting as well is probably even worse, So, <laughs> but at least for me. So what I ended up doing was um, I discovered this thing called Anki flashcards. Mm. 
and they, they changed the game for me. Um, the reason why I love Anki is because they're a software that allows you to um, kind of review flashcards on a regular basis. And you're also able to kind of rate how difficult you found this topic so that the things that you thought were really easy will, will come back uh, kind of later on in the future. And the things that you mark as, um, as hard will come back sooner. Mm. And I made these flashcards and I go through them every single day. Mm. I think the difficulty is sitting down to actually um, do the flashcards. But once you actually get in that routine of doing these flashcards constantly, you kind of um, you kind of get rid of that kind of forgetting curve that we all have. You know, if we read something today, the chance of us knowing it in a week is very very low. But if we read something uh, every single day or every few days, the chances of us actually forgetting it is a lot lower um, than we expect. So that's kind of what I ended up doing, and so far it's worked pretty well. Um, and that's kind of what I've been trying to share on my YouTube no, channel definitely. as well. Just moving on and you touched on it about the youtube channel and kind of sharing resources what i liked about you and and it's worth having a discussion on is you openly share you know like the essay that made you get a first you know resources yeah. and how to get into med school um while we were at king's a few years ago there was a very competitive or hyper competitive nature people didn't tell what they got people were keeping study yeah. secrets to themselves whereas the new gen of medics like yourselves are openly sharing it Tell us a bit yeah. about your thoughts about competitiveness in medics. Is it healthy? Is it necessary? And why are you so willing to openly share it to hundreds of thousands of people? Yeah, so I think competition is a huge thing in med school. And I think, um, I think, like you said, it is becoming less of a thing. I think people are a lot more open these days to, to help each other. But it definitely still is a thing. I think um, the issue is when we come from A-levels, mm. you know, we're a bunch of people who who generally get, you know, really good A-levels and, you know, they're kind of the top achievers of school. And they kind of had to be competitive to get to that level to then get into medical school. But it doesn't stop there. You know, when we get into medical school, I think a lot of people end up carrying on those, those um, you know, those kind of, uh, the need to compete. Mm -hmm. But then I think soon after, when, when we start med school, we realize that actually it's not the same anymore. We're not competing for places anymore. You know, like fair enough, later down the line, you might compete for jobs yeah. as doctors, but the job is guaranteed. And I think soon, um, you know, soon after we start med school, we realize that there is literally no competition. Like it's very possible for all of us to come out um, with very, very high scores. Whereas in A-levels or in biomed, you naturally had to do, score the highest to compete for that, that you know, one in 10 spot in medical school. Yep. So same with me, you know, when I was in biomed, we were all competing to get those spots in med school. And a lot of the times we were applying for the same med schools, we were applying for the, um, the exact same thing. So the competition, you know, is there. Um, but like I said, hopefully when we join med school, we realize there is no competition. I think um, it's a good thing because I think competition is the, one of the worst ways to to kind of deal with, with university. And um, comparing yourself to others is, mm. is such a dangerous thing because all we see are the kind of superficial things, right? So we might see someone in the library who's studying, you know, he's always the library, always, always there. Um, and you might compare yourself to them. You might think, oh my God, I'm never in the library. I'm not, I'm not here as much as they are. They must be scoring really, really highly. Mm. You don't realize actually, no, this person's in the library because maybe they procrastinate a lot at home, or maybe they procrastinate throughout the whole entire, you know, the whole entire time at the library. So we we often we often see the superficial things. Mm. We don't actually see what's you know what the reality is and what's behind you know the kind of closed doors. Um, and also, I think competition is really dangerous because we we it's impossible to kind of like compare everyone. The reason being is because we're all on different levels. We all start on different chapters. You know, so you might be on chapter four and you're comparing yourself to someone who's on chapter 25. Mm. You know, for example, when I was getting into med school, um, I was competing a lot of the times and I was, I was comparing myself with these with people who maybe had parents who were doctors, yeah. maybe who have been here in the UK since they were born, maybe knew the NHS really, really well, 
you know, maybe um, are brought up in a, a two-parent household. You know, these were, were things that I could not compete with because I, my story is very different. You know, my my chapter is very different. You know, mm. um, I I had no family in the UK, for example, who did medicine. First person in my family to go to university, so didn't really have many people who can like help me get in in terms of the process. Um, yeah, one-parent household. There's, there's all these things, yeah. um, and these are not things that I mean. I'm sure there's things that I have that they also didn't have equally. But we all we always see the superficial things, and the people who I'm talking about now, maybe they had things that they were looking at me for and saying, actually, Kenji had this, Kenji had that. Mm. So I think comparison really is a thief of joy. And I think when it comes to med school, um, I think if you want to be happy, you want to keep your sanity. I think staying away from the competition is probably the best <laughs> thing that I can definitely advise yeah. everyone to do. Um, in terms of why I decide to like share my stuff so openly, again, I think it's it's having this understanding of not not being part of this competition game you know i kind of decided to take myself out of that competition game and not not want to compete and i think me actually doing that has led to other people and other you know my my friends as well you know stopping that competition and kind of being more open to share things with me mm. because they they think that actually and um, you know sharing things is really really good mm. so i think um i'm very open to sharing my 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 story my my grades all you know kind of everything to yeah. do is with uh, med school because i don't like competing and i think if i force myself to make these videos mm. <laughs> again it kind of helps me get out of that no. game of competition um and i think that's uh, that's currently yeah where i'm at amazing i think it's so important to have this sort of collaborative sharing nature because I think Definitely. the system tries to pitch you against each other. They, they, yeah. The school will rank you. The F, uh, UK FPO will say, based on this certain score, the decile scores, etc. But I think when you look at the grand scheme of it all, the grand picture of all, like you said, everyone is going to come out a doctor at the end of the five years at med school. Everyone at the end of F2 becomes a sort of foundation competent doctor. Everyone at the end of IMT, CST, ST training, you all come at a, at a baseline level at the end of each sort of um, uh, sort of goal point. Um, and it's important that we, we sort of share and we support each other, get there because that's where the fun is. The fun isn't you being that lonely lone wolf who's just so amazing, exactly. but alone. Yeah. alone exactly yeah exactly the options always there. i mean you can do that if you want to you can be that lone wolf i definitely wouldn't advise it and i think and i've been there myself i think when i was in third year biomed i very much was there you know i knew that i wanted to get to med school and i, and I kind of sacrificed a lot to be there mm. and i kind of became that lone wolf person and i i definitely look back now and i'm like oh actually it didn't have to be that way yeah exactly the outcome would have been the same so you can do that if you want to um probably wouldn't recommend it though no. but i think it's a lot more fun going through the whole five years because you have to remember like med school is five years long <laughs> yeah so if you want to be a lone wolf you're going to be a long wolf for a long time yeah. <laughs> so find a pack as soon as you yeah. can and i think uh share share resources don't be competitive Definitely. and i think things will be a lot more fun in the way i think you just reminded me and i want to ask this question before you move on and you're in a very unique yeah. position feel free to answer so at kings that we've seen I don't yeah. know if you've experienced it. There used to be this click mentality between the biomed students and the medics. Mm. I felt a lot of time yeah. biomeds were kind of left to their own means, never part of the wider medical mm. student mentality. Guys, it's kind of dominated by medics. Um, yeah. Did you experience that? And how was it when you went from a biomed to a, a, a medical student? I hope you understand what I'm trying to like, kind of the gist yeah. of the question, right? Do you mean like the grads, the grads who came from biomed on the, the medicine course? Yeah, so as in... I remember at King's at the time, there was a lot of biomeds were seen as the medic rejects, people that didn't get into medicine. Yeah. We never used to involve them when we were going out. We never used to involve them in the freshers. It was the medics stuck to themselves and left the biomeds out. Um, yeah. How did you guys notice from your end while being a biomed student? Like, oh, look at these medics. They're all snobby. Okay. 
and then obviously for you the unique thing is you then switched over and became a medic um and yeah. could you feel that people are treating you differently yeah yeah so what you mean now so i think when i when i was a biomed i feel like i definitely like felt that i think um a lot of the times people don't actually know what biomed is mm -hmm. um and then they kind of make the assumption that oh if you didn't get to medicine that was your second option yeah. because a lot of the times the people who are the medics their fifth option that they had was biomed yeah. mm -hmm. so if they didn't get to medicine that's what they would have chosen but on the other side a lot of my friends didn't actually have any interest in, in medicine at all exactly I think, you know only a, a select cohort actually go into medicine um but for a lot of people that is their kind of primary um you know goal in life is to be a biomedical scientist um which so i think i feel i feel worse for them because you know they they are their course is kind of made to look um you know not as good as it is and mm. you know even though biomed is like an amazing course it's an amazing thing to go into um so i definitely felt that i think being in biomed i think when i went over, went over to medicine I don't know, it was different. Maybe because I was already a medic, yeah. so maybe I didn't see anyone. Maybe it still was there. Yeah. Um, but I had a lot of friends as well who were in biomed in, in uh, when I was a medic as well. And I think maybe it was it was a King's, maybe it was a King's thing, I don't know. Yeah. But I think at King's, they were a lot more inclusive. Yeah. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of um, our friends who we'd go out with were, were biomed, uh, doing biomed. A lot of them were doing chemistry. A lot of them were doing like different things. So I think maybe it's a King's thing. I don't know how you guys felt being at King's, but I feel like at King's, things were a lot more diverse and people yeah. were open to like different courses. But mm. when I was at Birmingham, I think def I don't know if it was a Birmingham thing or maybe it was because I was a biomed. Yeah. Um, but I definitely felt it uh, my, my first go like in university. Yeah, mm. definitely. Mm. I, I think it's changed over the generations, actually. I think before it was, I think nowadays people are just so, so multifaceted now. Before everyone yeah. was sort of, I feel. Defined by de their. Exactly. The defined by what you do, what you study, what 100%. your career is. Now we're, we're seeing, you're a great example. You're a medic. You've also done biomedical sci sciences. You're a researcher. You're also a YouTuber, content creator. I think we're going down a pathway where medics are now coders, developers, designers, yeah. guitar players, they're uh, athletes, Definitely. and it just goes on and on. And I think it comes Definitely. with the time. So, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think we're in a different time now, a different society. And I think, yeah, like with you guys as well, you know, being um, doctors as well, mm. doing your own your podcast on the side, medtech on the side. Mm. I think it's a good thing. I think we're going in the right direction. I think um, being more open to, to to having multiple careers in life and having multiple interests. I think it's it's always a good thing. I think absolutely. You know, you know, one of the coolest things I, I love seeing is on YouTube. There's now consultants. Uh, no I, I love seeing it. So you have Imran Laskers, who's a radiology consultant, who's a podcaster now. Okay. You've got Rowan, who's a med crisis. He's a consultant cardiologist. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen that one. It's so cool watching them. My, <laughs> the EMT, when I was working um, like an acute frailty unit, the, the, the yeah. consultant, he was an ENT consultant, redeployed, right? COVID, everyone got moved around. Yeah, yeah. And literally after the ward run, he would spend six, seven hours editing a YouTube video. No <laughs> yeah, yeah, so he's like, you know, the beginning phase is a few hundred followers, a few hundred followers subs, okay. and he's just, guys, don't disturb me. And you know, consultants have like a lot of money to blow, right? He had the best yeah. camera, the best gear. Right. Like he bought the best <laughs> yeah, packs, do you know? <laughs> yeah. So he was running okay. with it. And I just loved like That's kind so of seeing good. it. And I was like, yeah, I want to get into YouTube as well. And then you were like, yeah, the, you know, after Ward Run, Abs is going to help me with the, with the editing. He doesn't get any jobs. <laughs> but <laughs> talking about YouTube, man, you've done so incredibly well while being Thank a you. medical student, which in itself is more than a full-time job, bro. I want to know yeah, a I bit about it. So the, there's a, a an influx of new medical YouTubers. Obviously, yeah. you've been doing it for a while. Um, yeah. 
tell us why and how you ended up on YouTube and how on earth mm. did you manage to grow to this big of a channel? Okay, so yeah, so YouTube for me, like I always watch YouTube, so I'm really into fitness as well, and I'd always watch these like fitness, um, you know, vloggers, and they really like inspired me, really changed my life. Um, and after doing biomed, I realized that actually I might have something to give to other people. Mm. And the reason being is because at the time, I think grad medicine wasn't that big of a thing. Mm. Maybe you know, applying through a post grad route was the thing, but for people also wanting to apply to the undergrad route. That wasn't really something that was like publicized. So I realized um, after struggling like so much to actually get into medical school, like it was a huge struggle. Yeah. I found it so, so difficult. Having gone through that process myself as a graduate, I thought I had a unique perspective on life and on the application that I can I can help other people gain. So literally the first, um, it was very like quick decision. Um, I think one of my friends was a small YouTuber. He had like, you know, one or 2000 subscribers. And he was like, oh, Kenji, I'm releasing a few videos. And the one time over summer, I was, you know, I was really, really bored and I had time and I was like, you know what, now's the time, like, you know, now's mm -hmm. the time to do it. Uh, my friend's doing it. I love all these like fitness vloggers. Let me actually just try sit down and share my story and just see how it goes. So I posted my very, very first video. I literally put my phone up on the wall, like taped it to the wall and <laughs> my Samsung like S7, S8 back in the day, put it on the wall and I just literally sat down and filmed. Um, and I had this, like, I had like, I didn't have a haircut for like three months, so <laughs> hella like ragged and, you know, wearing as the baggiest hoodie I, I possibly had. And I just filmed it and I, I put it out there um, and I didn't do anything with it for like a couple of months um, until I started med school. And when I started med school, I looked back on the video and I started getting some traction, you know, people mm. commenting saying, oh, this is a really unique story. Can I hear more? You know, what were your A-levels? Um, you know, what were your difficulties in getting to med school? And it kind of took off uh, from then. I kind of decided actually, these people are asking questions. They want to know, like, why don't I just sit down and film and answer the questions? Mm. And that's what I started doing throughout first year. And I think also because I did biomed uh, before, a lot of first year medicine was like a recap of biomed, apart from like anatomy and stuff like that. The actual core content wasn't uh, very different at all from like biomed. So I feel like I had a lot more time. And I'm one of those people who kind of just um, doesn't like just chilling and having free time, which is also a bad thing. But um, I kind of decided to, to work more on my YouTube. Um, and I think that really saved me when I had a lot of free time. And, you know, rather than being kind of bored, like I, I really, really felt. And as well as being excited for medicine, I actually was excited about, you know, starting a channel, yeah. answering questions, really helping people to get into med school. Because I feel like when I applied, the, the kind of playing fields weren't level, mm. you know. I, for example, I had no money to like pay for any courses. Um, I had no money to pay for a UCAT course yeah. or like um, MMI course. Um, so the struggle was real when I was applying. So I, I kind of realized that actually, let's let's level the playing field. Let's um, let's actually mm -hmm. make content that people can actually benefit from. And hopefully people who don't have the money like I did to, to do all of these things can actually keep up with the competition uh, and maybe people who can afford those those things as well. Um, so that's, that's what I did. And I, I wasn't very... I wasn't a very regular uploader back <laughs> mm. in first year and I really, really regret that. First and second year, I just kind of post whenever I felt like. And I think it was third year when I started taking YouTube seriously uh, and started like uploading, you know, a little bit more frequently. And um, and I think it was, it was the decision to become more frequent is when the kind of growth just became exponential mm. and um, has been has been growing ever since. So yeah, that's pretty oh, much the story. Amazing. Um, an interesting question I, I want to ask to get inside of a head of someone who's on in the sort of YouTube space is yeah. the the numbers aspect of it. So, uh, I mean, we see it with our own podcast channel as well. So you get the numbers that grow up, sort of, they go up and up and up and suddenly it's a massive number, but that number feels small. And then you're just sort of drilled into just sort of how do I make this number bigger and bigger and bigger? Yeah. What are, yeah. what are some of the sort of pitfalls and sort of, I guess the the negative 
points yeah. of being focused on analytics and numbers whilst doing yeah. all this great work do you ever get do you ever go down that rub- rabbit hole oh yeah all the time all the time and i always find myself like refreshing like the mm. youtube like my youtube channel just to see how much i've grown and i realize and i stop myself and like kenji like what are you doing like, <laughs> carry on man um but no i think it's something that happens to all youtubers mm. um and i think it's it's quite i mean I'm, I'm a victim to this myself but i think it's quite difficult to go down that route because you kind of realize that like the game never ends mm. right so it's an I unlimited agree. number mm. you can be at you know 10,000 40,000 or a million and i think you very quickly adapt so i remember like I feel like I was probably most excited about my channel when I hit 10k, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god! Like we made it! You know, we've done, we've done 10k, done like 10k. That was like the biggest thing for me." And then you get to 10,001, and you're like, "Oh shit! Like, what's coming next?" I don't know if I'm not swearing this channel, sorry, but then I was like, "Oh, like what's coming? What's coming next?" And then you get onto the next thing, which is like, "Okay, 20,000, 30,000, and it never stops." And I think when I reached like 20k, I was like, "All right, we need to stop playing this game because I'm losing." Yeah. <laughs> so I think never um, I, I just you never win. Yeah, exactly. So I think um, I kind of try as much as I can to not focus on the numbers mm. and remember that these are actually like real people. Yeah. And I think it's when you start like, you know, meeting people like on the streets like randomly, and they have a chat with you, and you realize actually this is this is a real person who just subbed to my channel, and that's like super important to me. And the numbers actually don't matter. The, the analytics don't matter. What matters is that I am like, producing content that I like, that I'm like I, I'm proud of, and also I think will add value to people's lives. Um, so it's a really difficult one, and I think you kind of have to be good at balancing both. You have to be good at you know keeping away from this like hedonic treadmill that you quickly adapt to, but also you kind of like being a YouTuber. You also of course want to grow so you can affect more lives as well. Mm. So you have to find a balance between like you know what video do I want to, do I want to make that's going to go viral mm. and also what videos do I want to, do I want to make that are just for me that I just really enjoy creating yeah and like also finally what videos do I want to make that will just add value to people's lives um so it's a really slippery slope and I've fallen down it like loads of times yeah. but um I think that's kind of what I'm learning in the process Definitely. talking about balance how do you balance it all how do you balance being a final medical student an yeah. active youtuber with growing platforms mm. and it's not just YouTube, you've got Twitter, you've got Instagram as well and you're engaged yeah. on all of them. How do you balance yeah. it all? It's really difficult, man, I'm not gonna lie. And I think some people are better at it than I am. Mm. Um, what I think worked for me is that it didn't all happen at once, right? So I didn't like start med school and I, I, I didn't like immediately become a YouTuber and immediately become like, you know, doing research and all these things. It was all like stepwise. And I think that's something I can like definitely tell and advise a lot of people to do. Mm start if you if you're looking to like build a side hustle build following or whatever it is you want to do you know work a job my recommendation would be to start off with the first thing so i started off in med school and i was like let me let me study yeah. let me sit a few exams and let me see how it goes and when i feel comfortable and i feel ready i'll introduce the next thing on, mm. on my plate so that's exactly what i did you know i started med school i realized that actually i'm doing it like okay in my exams i'm happy with my progress let's now try something else and then it became youtube and then it was, let me just, I, you know, I have no idea what a YouTuber is, how much time it takes, you know, what it involves. But let me just try to introduce that on my plate. And if my med school starts to suffer, maybe I need to like chill and calm down. But, you know, thankfully, again, I started doing YouTube. I realized actually I built a system that allows me to create content and upload regularly and not let that be at the kind of um, expense of my of my um, my studies. Mm. That was all calm. And then again, I re- reintroduced the next thing and also kind of being open to just dropping things. You know, if I tried YouTube and I realized that, you know, two months later, I'm not doing well in my exams, I happily would have dropped it in a second mm. because I don't want to I don't want to sacrifice med school. And you have to really know, you know, what what am I not willing to sacrifice? What are my what are my key things in life that I just cannot sacrifice whatsoever? Yeah. And for me, you know, that ended up being, I think, um, my career so med school 
you know, secondly, my fitness, my health. So, you know, I'll never sacrifice my health over anything else, my family, my relationships. And those are kind of the three things in my life that I knew that, you know, had to stay. And now YouTube is one of them, thankfully. Mm. But if YouTube got in the way or anything else got in the way of those three things, Amazing. I would just happily drop it in a heartbeat. Um, and that's kind of what uh, the system I built to kind of, you know, make sure I'm on track with the things I choose to do. No, definitely. I think yeah, what you said, and it's, it's, it's like an entrepreneurial thing as well, it's you had three or four core principles and your life is yeah. governed by them, which a lot yeah. of people don't have. They kind of do things on a whim or they kind of go where the wind takes them. And I found yeah. kind of all the people that have achieved amazing and wonderful things in the world always had one or two core features or core principles Absolutely. in life and they stuck to it like glue and if yeah, it yeah. facilitated them to kind of move in that direction they took it on board and if it went against it like you said they weren't scared to drop it like a, you know a sack of hot potatoes and yeah. the other thing you mentioned which is quite interesting as well and Tim Fress is what can't you afford to not do we can do everything in the world but what are the one or two things that you can't afford at any cost to not do you know it's yeah. fostering relationships with your family with your loved ones becoming a very good doctor right is everyone becomes yeah. a doctor but the joys in medicine are when you really understand you know what pathology you know when you're looking at ecg you can yeah. identify where's the clock right absolutely i think what i wanted to know and lots of people see you know you're doing well, you've got a good YouTube following, you're finding a medical student, and I know life isn't all roses and daisies, right? Tell us yep. or share with us a moment when, you know, when shit hit the fan, when you are at a low point and, and an yep. obstacle you face and how you managed to overcome that. 100%. So I think probably the lowest time in my life was in biomed my final year. I think when I was in third year, I kind of, you know, talked about it earlier and mentioned it earlier when I when I said I became this, you know, this lone wolf. Yeah. And that kind of sounds cool when I mentioned <laughs> it before, but honestly, it wasn't like, it was a difficult point. And the reason being was that it was kind of December time. So at that point I had my dissertation. I was in the middle of my dissertation, you know, or just at the start of my dissertation. So I had my uh, my dissertations right. I had all the like kind of wet lab research to do for that. And I was balancing uh, also applying for medical school, um, getting, um, you know, um, invited for med school interviews, um, there was so much going on in my life and it was causing so much stress and um, and it wasn't really really healthy um, it was obviously something like looking back now I can I can say like oh I could have done that differently I could have done this differently but obviously in the, in the moment when I was only like 20 years old um, things were different things were difficult so I think what allowed me to to get through that mm. or what I kind of often do now is I just try to remind myself that like we it's nothing nothing is that deep and I know this is like, this sounds so silly if you're like in the moment and you're suffering from something because I definitely felt like it was really, really deep myself. But you kind of realize, I think after going through all of those failures, at this point in, in my life now, having failed and like having struggled to get into med school, having all those things going on in my life as well, like now nothing can kind of touch me because I've been, I've been at such a low point in my life. Yeah. Like now if I, if I don't do as well as I wanted to in an exam, I'm like, okay, fine. It's not as deep as, as, as I once thought it was, you know, mm. if I don't, um, if I, you know, if I, I don't know, if, if I get into trouble or whatever it might be, you know, I'll always think like, actually, you know, things aren't that bad. And just reminding myself that tomorrow will come mm. and like this will pass. And I think when you're in that moment, when you're suffering from whatever it might be in your life, you feel like this is not going to pass. Um, and you're stuck here forever. Your life is like ruined. You have a bad life. And I think it's a distinction between a bad situation and a bad life that's really key. So, you know, on retrospect, I look back at that point and I'm like, actually, that was a bad situation. It was a difficult situation, but I still had a good life. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're two different things. I think sometimes you can 
think you can make those things you know combined and become one and you think actually i'm struggling right now i have a bad life and you forget that actually no this is just like a small tiny proportion of my life that i'm just struggling with but eventually like it will pass because at the time although i had all those things going on i still had a you know a healthy friendship with my friends i still had family nearby i still had the gym my health was there i wasn't mm-hmm. um you know i wasn't short of money for food and i have all these things so i think when you when you realize that actually you're you're still quite well off like you have running tap water yeah. you have heat in your, in your home you have all these things and you realize actually it's you know this too will come to pass and it's not a bad life it's just a bad situation that i eventually will come through and i think just having that realization now is what allows me to kind of just overcome these obstacles and realize that realize that things actually aren't as deep as you you make it out to be in that moment amazing i've read about this sort of when you reflect upon the positives uh, of what you have yeah. even if it is just a just the running tap water and the heating and the roof it allows you to think in a more sort of um, solution orientated manner so when you are in that Absolutely. ditch what it does it it fuels you to start thinking all right how can i get out of this situation because i've got it yeah. half decent so far around me um exactly it's just exactly like it's just trying to find the solutions and i think if you're in any situation in your life if you can find a solution like go ahead and find a solution mm. but if you can't find a solution if there's no solution to it then just find peace with it and just just leave it you know, leave it there find peace with it and mm. move on your life and 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 just just not let it bother you but if there is something you can do about it, obviously change it. But if there's not anything you can do about it, then just find peace with it. And hopefully, you know, in a few days time, yeah. it'll come to pass and you'll be back where you want it to be. No, exactly. Definitely. Oh. Having kind of gone through biomedical sciences as a student, kind of went through the pain and it is pain for applying to med school. Um, and now finding a medical student now, what advice would you give to medical students? I think is... The last thing you want to do is having paid nine grand a year only to leave with a piece of paper that says MBBS on it and have achieved nothing outside of it. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't bear, I mean, get me wrong. But um, what yeah. are your thoughts on it? How do you maximize it? How do you make nine grand worth it? Okay. So I think I'm, I'm going to give a controversial opinion here, but I think um, obviously when you go through med school, right, become a doctor, like do what you need to do. So pass your exams, you know, focus on med school. But as well as that, like this is the one time in your life that you will have like loads of time yeah. when you become a doctor your time probably won't be yours um, as much so maximize your time outside of med school as well mm. so for me that was really um trying to grow um socially and emotionally so what i did a lot of times was travel for me and whenever i had a small break in med school i had a weekend free a bank holiday i would literally catch a flight and go somewhere mm. so i think it was my second second year of med school during the summer I, I booked a flight to to Taiwan and and I just stayed in Southeast Asia for three months oh, and wow. I definitely like don't advise everyone through that. <laughs> but for me, that was something that allowed me to grow. Um, and whatever that might be in your sense, it may not you may not like traveling, but it might be actually you may want to I don't know you know volunteer for a charity. You may want to you know uh, start reading. So I think really use your time outside of med school to to foster your interests and to foster your growth in, in other aspects of your life mm. so traveling was one thing you know youtube was was another thing that i also wanted to try out um there's been loads of things where i just thought you know what i have time and have someone has offered me to do something like let's let's just try it and let's just put one foot in and see how it goes you know one of those, those things was research again you know i think I, I was intending to do research in medicine, but it kind of um, went down loads of different directions. Mm. You know, I did, like I mentioned, I did a bit of derm, I've done a bit of urology, I've done a bit of uh, cancer as well. And they just kind of fell on my lap. And if I had the time and I felt like it's something interesting I wanted to do, I just did it. And 
hopefully what that will mean is that when you do graduate and you do become a doctor, you know, you have a great degree, you know, you've got, you have a great set of skills that you can use in the NHS to be a good doctor. Mm -hmm. But also hopefully you're a, you know, a social doctor, yeah. you're, you know, an emotionally intelligent doctor, you're a cultured doctor, um, and you have loads of interests that you have cultivated throughout your time in med school. So I think for me, in summary, I think it would be focus on med school, but also focus on the time you have outside of med school to do other things in your life that will then pay you back when you're when you're a doctor. No, I definitely, definitely agree. That. And I think not only are you short of time, the other yeah. thing which I want to express and is important is the ability to network rapidly decreases as well. Because when you're at med okay. school, at university, you get to meet so many people from so many spheres of life. You know, it's not just That's medics, true. you know, there's humanities, especially at King's. King's is such a beautiful location, central London. Whereas as soon as yeah. you graduate, you're working in a hospital, you know, your week yeah. spent running around on calls, nights, weekends, whatever it may be, your social circle shrinks, connecting with people and networking becomes very difficult. And okay. obviously like time, you know, you're responsible. You need to wake up, you know, let's be honest. There's been times mm -hmm. where you know, Ams has been stuck at King's waiting for me because I said yeah. I'm going to be there for nine o'clock and I didn't turn up until 11.30, right? That doesn't work at work. You yeah, cannot, yeah. you know, turn yeah. up at 11.30. So not only do you lose time, you lose in network, your social bubble shrinks. And I tell you, yeah. at med school, you know, we had so many friends, but organizing a dinner out with all our mates, with our rotors and stuff was such a... Long. Do you know what I mean? So like, I do feel yeah, for yeah. the rotor coordinators, yeah? Despite what the people are saying on Twitter, it is hard, damn hard. But... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot 100%. of things you should max out. And one thing I remind people is medical school is also university. There are so many aspects of university life that you should That's experience facts. that medical school, it's called medical school, but it's university, you know, make friends, go out, have fun, yeah. you know, fresh as we can enjoy it. Or don't think, you know, you have to go and hit the books 99 every day, you know, yeah. to become first centile and whatnot. I'm saying that because I didn't hit first centile. <laughs> Whereas Ams <laughs> did. Um, Kind of talking about that, and I know we, we, we talked about some difficult moments in your life. What are yeah. some of the you know happiest memories from Kings? You're going to be graduating soon. You're going to be joining us yeah. on the wards. But what are some of your fondest memories, bro? I think so the, the, probably the one that stands out most was just when I first started. I think because I struggled so hard to get into med yeah. school. Mm. When I actually started, I was like, oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is real. Like, I'm actually here now. So it was just the, the transition from being, you know, in biomed yeah. to then starting my dream career my dream you know my dream uh, degree getting to to medicine and thinking oh my god like this is this is a crazy feeling and i think i was like on a high for like six months like not not drug high i mean yeah. like a emotional high yeah. <laughs> of like you know i'm finally here um and it just felt so good so i think the best memories were going around campus meeting new people making friends um you know traveling like the people i met like very soon after we met i think in like we met in like September, in like December, we were like Amsterdam, like traveling. <laughs> and it was those moments I look back on and I'm like, oh, there were good times when we weren't like applying for like F1 jobs yeah. and we didn't have finals and like <laughs> life was just different back then. So I think that the best memories were literally starting. So I think if you're starting med school, I'd, I'd advise you, like, like you said, remember you're in university. I think when we start med school, there's this like whole thing around med school that it should be really difficult. Yeah. Like you're in Kings now, you're, you're a med student now, it should be diff difficult. And we convince ourselves that what we're doing should be hard. And like, obviously med school isn't easy, yeah. but it doesn't have to be as hard as we make it yeah, out to be. I agree. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes you kind of like, at least I did, I made myself suffer and I was like, I'm in the <laughs> library for what? Like I, I've done my work. Why am I still here trying to make myself suffer? Yeah. When I could actually just go out and socialize and like, you know, go hang out with my friends. So, um, so yeah, I think those are the best memories. I think also, 
and reaching the halfway point i think we had like a right before covid we had like a um like a celebration being halfway through med school mm. and like traditionally i'm sure you guys went to it as yeah. well like a king's you had like the ball the halfway ball. um mm. yeah halfway ball so we had the halfway ball which is amazing and then like straight after again we traveled to like morocco with my friends um and again i think that was just another another lovely experience um, and hopefully now, you know, um, moving uh, past COVID now as well, hopefully after we finish all our exams, I'm hoping that'll be like one of the best moments of my life as well. Finally getting that title, yeah, finally graduating. Definitely I is. imagine that's going to be like something, yeah, something good to look forward to. Yeah, nah, of course. And I think um, kind of, we can now see the finishing line, the light at the end of the tunnel. Med, med school definitely. is a long graft and is a hard graft. Um, yeah. Kind of like graduation day in itself is, is euphoric. And like you know yeah. your your parents are there your loved ones are there your friends are there and you, you're all together and no one can experience you can never describe what med school is like unless you kind of share with those medics that you became friends with from first year right you, only you guys Absolutely. know what it's like right even through covid and stuff like that and celebrating that moment where like man we, we smashed it um is a, is, yeah. a, is a nice feeling to look forward to and it's in the middle of summer king's graduation 100%. is awesome because you're at the cathedral which is okay. which is which is such a beautiful spot yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm really looking I forward to it. Yeah, <laughs> like the, I'm the, gas thinking about you. Folk. I remember <laughs> they call out your names, right? And you go up okay. and you get your certificate and whatever. You shake yeah, hands, yeah. and I remember I came and I saw Ams, and I literally held the queue up and I spotted him. I was like, "Yo, bro, we, we smashed it. <laughs> we're at the hood," and like there people are queuing okay. up, and it's it's just yeah, such yeah. a beautiful buzzing feeling, man. So I really do hope you can, you can make the most of it. Oh man, I'm getting buzzed just hearing about now, it. Now it is. Awesome, 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 man. Um, okay. I think before we, we wrap up this episode, you know, it's been a pleasure mm. talking to you, Kenji, but... Um, you guys too. What advice would you give to medics out there, man? Like, you know, third year, second year, whatever it is. Something that you thought I would have told myself, you know, this is a golden piece of advice. Okay. I think I, I've already kind of said it, but mm. I think, again, just trying to reiterate what I said was just, just enjoy the process. Yeah. Like you guys said, and like we said, like five years is a long time. Mm. And if you if you want to be revised the library like all the time, like that's that's calm, that's cool. Yeah. That, if that's what you want to do, but I would definitely advise like just just try not to to make yourself feel like you have to do it all the time. Like what you have to do is pass exams. You have to become a good doctor, become a safe doctor most importantly. Yeah. But outside of that, like don't make yourself suffer more than you actually need to. Absolutely. And I think I, I definitely did that. Like I just you know convinced myself that this is difficult. I had to do this. I had to revise all the time, and you realize actually you know, hopefully not at the end of med school, that it's not as deep as you, you know, make it out to be. You know, you have to pass your exams, become a good doctor, but outside of that, you have a lot of time to do what you want to do. And even if you, what you want to do is just sit at home and play COD all day, like that's, that's cool, because when you become a doctor, like you, you guys know- You ain't gonna be doing you know, that. It ain't gonna happen. You're gonna be doing COD on the, uh, with the bleep, mate. You're gonna be exactly, trying. Exactly, like COD, COD mobile. Do you know what I mean, bro? Bro, when, yeah, when you, when you get, I don't want to put you off, man, but those dirty weekends, <laughs> Like, like that's that's worse than cod bro you can't be camping exactly. as well you, you can't come they'll find you, you. Literally, literally. they'll come so, so exactly that exactly that you can't be hiding out here so i think that would be my advice i think you really enjoy the process and do do what makes you happy yeah you know like i said for me that was traveling and like it's still the same case for me like was it last weekend or last the weekend before i had like a saturday sunday and i just flew to spain uh with oh, my sweet. girlfriend and we had a, such a good time um and it's those and hopefully like i want to keep doing that and there was so many times in med school in third year, fourth year, 
or we'd have a patch of time and we'd I'd literally just like call my friend up and we'd fly to like Budapest and like have the best weekend and come back to med school for like Monday and you know it's fine you can do that yeah, of course you, know, you can exactly. watch lectures yeah you know you can watch lectures abroad if you want to because yeah. obviously at kings they let you do that um as long as you don't break restrictions yeah. but you know as long as that's you don't you can enjoy your life and do whatever it is you want to do and i think that would be my key message um you know enjoy med school it's a long process but it's also a very worthwhile process and i think um having you know kind of made it almost the end like I said, there's nothing I'd, I'd change. I think it's been a, it's been a great journey. Oh, amazing, man. amazing. We've really loved kind of connecting with you. Hearing your story inspires us to keep doing what we're doing. Um, Me too, man. We know you're going to make an awesome doctor. I do hope we get to work one day as colleagues. Um, it's been a massive man. pleasure to you, bro. So a massive thank you again. Pleasure, man. Thanks a lot, guys. And I really appreciate it.